welcome back to the Ots Unplugged, where sometimes we remember to put on our pants before recording. I'm Crispy Crab. <laughs> and I am Halion. And it's just us tonight. Uh, Jay is off uh, dealing with some live things, so we're just here midweek. Usually, out of our usual formula, just kind of shooting the shit. So, Yep. Jay is very, like, it likes the structure of a topic. Uh, but we've always thought, well, what if we just kind of turned it on, the bot that we used to record, and just saw what happened? Yeah, Haley and I are very much the yes and type of uh, podcast recording. <laughs> so that's what this is tonight. This is going to be a little different from what we normally do. We're just going to see what happens and see where the journey takes us. So Yes, come, on, but, come uh, along on the Reading Rainbow. <laughs> uh, man, I loved Reading Rainbow as a kid. God, I was, I vaguely remember it being on TV um, when I was younger. Like, I remember the theme song and everything for it, but mm -hmm. man, that was, that was a long time ago. Well, yeah, it's, it's heyday was in the eighties when I was a kid Yeah, and like all the time they would take us to the library and they would put us in like the AV room, which was just a room where it was quiet, where they could uh, close the door and the teachers wouldn't, you know, could go take a smoke break or something. And <laughs> it was the 80s. Yeah. They would wheel in the giant TV on the cart, not the flat screens like, like, like you guys have now. I did like the giant heavy ass, you know, 200 pound TV on a cart. They'd throw in the Betamax and then put in Reading Rainbow. And we'd watch an episode of Reading Rainbow or something where, you know, Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge would teach us all about whatever the book of the day was. I wish there was a crossover episode between the two. Also, you say that like I didn't grow up with that. I absolutely remember that time of the day or those days where the teacher was tired or sick or hungover. And or it so was a we, sub. Or, or it's a sub. Or usually it was mostly because it was a sub. But yeah, they, yeah. they would wheel in those, those big ass TVs, which I don't know if they had them when you were in school, but I remember they always had the warning on them to not move the TV where it's on top of the stand for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, I think I want to say at some point they started putting like a big like strap across the top to strap did, it to yeah. the cart. Almost, almost, almost looked like it was a seatbelt because and mm -hmm. you know why that happens? Because at some point, some kid went pushing that. Yeah, it <laughs> fell on some kid. Uh, kids are stupid. Yeah, I, I know. I was one. I did a lot of stupid shit. I have the scars to prove it. Pro tip, do not see if a curling iron is hot by sticking it to your face. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was not one of my brighter moments. Okay, that sounds like a college crispy thing. No, no, I didn't have the excuse of being drunk at the time. Um, th this was just me as a kid being like, oh, curling iron, I wonder if it's hot. I know, I'll touch it with my face. That's called the scars of learning. Oh, it was a very valuable lesson. Make sure not to touch hot things. Yeah, I think I was two or three when I learned that uh, you should hold the railing when you're going down the steps of the back porch. Oh, yeah. Because you, you might roll down like all dozen steps and hit the concrete pad at the bottom. Oh, yeah, that hurts. Speaking of contact with concrete, I still remember um, when, when I, we were little... I think up until I was in like middle school, we used to go to a local swim club, which sadly isn't around anymore. Um, it got closed down due to a sinkhole opening up and they couldn't afford to repair it. So now it's just a farm field again. But man, that was like one of the big places I spent a lot of time in the summer. Did you um, grow up in Centralia? Fuck no. <laughs> There ain't Sorry, shit in Australia, but fucking like two <laughs> houses and a church. <laughs> that that and, place is and, abandoned. And the mine fire, of course. Well, yeah, but that you don't really see that unless you go to the fun parts, I guess. It, you heard, oh, like, the fun parts, yes. Yeah, it's it's like you know if you if it's like the game Stalker, where you just like oh the anomalies over here, and then you just fall down an abyss into the fire. Yes, we call those the spicy locations. Mm, yeah, I've actually been there. It's a uh, it's interesting. You have these city streets, but it's uh there's no houses. Yeah, I, I would actually find it interesting to walk through there. I imagine it would be surreal, but at the same time, I'd be scared at like any moment the ground is going to split open and swallow me up. I mean, there's still some people living there, um, believe it or not. There's like a house or two where people are still living at it. But I'm not, I'm not shelling. I don't care what the government says. Yeah, really. 
Yeah, there's always those, those stubborn people that aren't willing to give up. I don't. I, yes, I realize there's been a mine fire that have had the uh, the entire underground of this town has been on fire since the '60s, uh, but we're not moving. We're not leaving. I mean, if you want to see the epitome of that, just go look at the trailer parks out in Tornado Alley. Folks got to live somewhere, right? I I guess, but I mean, it's a tornado. You're only stubborn until you have no home. Yeah, or until you injure yourself and then you realize you're not invincible going back to my my <laughs> concrete story so yeah that was the worst segue but anyway yeah. um, the the thing about this this place is it had slides that you could go on to for the pool it used to have diving boards but they took those out way before i went there or that i remember but they had a little slide and they had a big slide um the little slide was like more the shallower end the bigger slide was like I guess it was more the medium end of the pool. And the one day I must have been like, geez, I must have been like four or, or so. I was really little at the time. And I went climbing up the, the ladder. And the next thing I knew, I was waking up on the ground with like a bunch of people around me because I had slipped and fallen off the ladder. Ooh. Like, yeah, I, I don't really remember much of it. I, I mean, I didn't go to the hospital, so it wasn't terrible, you know. No, just walk it, it off. Yeah. Well, no, he's fine. No, what's the worst that could happen? But I, I just remember being terrified of going on the slides after that for a little while, where I'd have my parents staring behind me when I would be going up. Now, were they were they plastic slides, metal slides, or the old old school like fifties and sixties concrete slides? I think they were uh, they were fiberglass actually. Okay, so that's not bad. Well, they were these old. It was, and then they had like the metal steps going up it. But it really, it was. Uh, and there, and it probably had like no like traction stuff on the metal steps, right? Uh, no, it did. I did. Might have just been a uh, well, like a little strip of like sandpaper, essentially. Yeah, a little but, sand that, yeah. that was like had been placed on it when it was originally new, and it's like worn thin, threadbare. There's like yeah. no sand or tread left in it at this point. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They had, so yeah, just the perfect thing when you've got wet feet, just climbing up with. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They eventually, um, I mean, they eventually got new slides at one point that were those like plastic slides, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it was old school there. See, you talk about slides and that reminds me this past weekend, last two or three days, uh, my daughter, my son-in-law and my granddaughter have been visiting from out of town. So yesterday we took her, she's two. So we took her to the playground and had a picnic, met my dad and stepmom there. And so we're playing on the playground. And let me tell you, the stuff they have now is, I know it's supposed to be safer, but man, is it boring. It's just like these plastic slides and they I undulate know. and you don't really get any speed on them and everything's metal with, and it's coated in rubber. And, you, and I'm just like, man, when I was a kid... Like every playground I played on was metal and wood. And that yeah. was it. Like you, if you weren't going to go, if you went out to recess, some of, them, some of them had like cinder blocks and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And screw the mulch that and some of them have, a lot of them have mulch now, but some of them have like that, that like uh shaved rubber matting around them. So if you fall, it like gives. Yeah. Fuck no, we didn't have that as kids. We had dirt. Like hard dirt, maybe you had sand, maybe, but under that sand was hard packed earth. And if and mm -hmm. you and if you went to play to the playground, there was an above average chance you were coming out with splinters. Um, the slides we had were fucking metal, and I'm talking metal. Like oh, and shiny. I bet you in, in Georgia weather that must be yeah, like nice just, like cool. shiny like chrome almost because you've had so many butts rubbed over it over the decades. Uh, yeah, so it was so so yeah, and the, it just polished and like a thousand degrees so if you go down i'm on shorts you were going to get second degree burns on the back of your legs oh. you know and they were like at you know like 45 degree angle or more like you yeah. were just you were sliding did, down did you guys ever have like where the majority of the playground was like all wood like it was an all wood castle did you have mm -hmm. any of those Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah the one at my play at, at my elementary school was that. Shit, that was the coolest fucking playground. Looking back, that's an easy way to get tetanus and splinters, but it was really fun to play in, and you don't really see that now. Yeah, it was multi-level, 
Like you'd have a like you'd have the base level you would get in, and then it would be multiple tiers. You would go up and down, and some of it was walled in, and some of it was open. And then eventually, there was like a third story you could get to all the way at the top, right? There was no handrails, there was no no awnings. Like if you got if you get up there unsupervised, you were falling to your doom. You oh, know, yeah. you'd have the and the third floor is where you would have the fireman's pole. Again, the polished like just metal pipe. Yeah, and that, you know, there's you know, nothing like cushioning underneath that. Oh, God, no. If anything, it was like beat down where like, you know, for over hundreds and hundreds of kids had slid down and landed and packed that earth hard. And you go mm-hmm. three floor, you know, three, basically 30, 40 feet straight down to the bottom and you hit that. You've got some momentum going on, right? Your knees yeah. drive right up into your chin. Yeah. And we even had, remember the, uh, did you have the suspension bridge, the wooden bridge that was just slats with cables between them? That or it was chained with like metal piping around it. Yeah, and you know you would, and there were there was nothing to hold on to. It was just open, and you would run across it, and it would like you know, oh, bounce yeah. and undulate. Yeah, yeah. You may have, yeah. you may have had ropes like on the edges of some of those, but let's be honest, if you're a kid, you're not going to use those. You just want to be like, oh. And if you get one kid, maybe two kids going across it at the same time, mm-hmm. you'd be fine. Try to get two or three going at different intervals, and you'd be throwing guys off left and right. Oh yeah, especially if you got like a pretty big kid went down that bad boy. Oh, and, and and not just the playground equipment like at the parks. I'm talking like the shit we had at home. You know, you you see like the little wooden playgrounds things with the little bitty slide on it that's like three feet long, and the little and the little yeah. uh, swings that you've got a strap to hold you in the chair. Hell no, we didn't have that. We had the ones we had were made out of metal, like steel. And they weren't driven into the ground, so if you swung on them hard enough, you'd start rocking the legs up, up, and you potentially could flip it. And I remember very clearly my cousin had one that was about 15 feet tall to the, you know, it was like an A-frame, right? And the slide went to the top and over the top of the A-frame. So you were getting a slide that was about 10 to 12 feet up in the air and then sliding down it. Oh, man. You um you just reminded me, and I can't believe I forgot this till now, of the playground that we had at home because it wasn't one that we bought. It was well, part of it was, but my dad actually built it um mm-hmm. because he worked as a lineman, which um for people uninitiated, that's that's um uh, basically a an electrical worker that goes on power lines. Um he fixes a lot of power lines. Like he did a lot of the utility work for that. And through that, he was able to get a lot of materials and things that were usually like surplus or things that were just like sitting or just going to be thrown out or whatever. What he managed to do was he managed to get telephone poles, like uh, wooden telephone poles. Oh, and shit. He used those and two by fours and things to build um, a swing set that he also built himself the... Well, we got the we got the swing set part, which is the like the chain swing set with a rubber seat on it. Like we got mm-hmm. those from a store, but um, the the teeter totter that was on it that was hand built too, um, which we also used to just like let go and fly off of because it was fun. Yeah. Um, and then he the 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 thing that we he did buy was the clubhouse that we had because he bought that I think that from the guy that made it at work. But eventually we ended up upgrading it where it originally it was basically wooden slats on the side, but we eventually put the uh we just put like two by fours over the sides of it so it was more enclosed and we used to we used to like play with airsoft guns in the backyard and just go like try to storm the tower with like cardboard shields and things as people would be up in the tower with cardboard just shooting back that's another fun thing used to play a lot with was airsoft guns which yeah it's not bb guns but you're not going to lose an io well no you could lose an ivory what am i saying see we didn't have airsoft when i was a kid um we had bb guns um Paint goods didn't start to really become a thing until I was well into high school, and they mm-hmm. started to see a little bit of that. But what we did have was when, like, the super soakers and shit first came out. Yeah, we we got the, the backpack like, the, ones. The, we had the backpack ones, but but the ones we first had were like they were real. Like this was back in the eighties, kids. Okay, this was back like when you could buy plastic toy guns at the store, the toy store. And they looked like real guns. They didn't have to have a red tip on the end. They were painted realistically. Like they kind of, yeah, like from like a distance, guns. They, they looked real. 
for the most part. I used to sell um, those at the at the grocery store near near my house where you could get those cap guns where it looked like a real pistol. It had an orange plug in the end, but you could pull that out with pliers. And my brother did. And that, that could have definitely passed off as an actual pistol. And it was a cap gun, too. So it sounds like one. Yeah, we would go and use those water guns and we would load them up. We would put on like old T-shirts and we would use food coloring and color the water in our water guns. And we would have real play war. And if you got shot and, and you know, you call it stained you, you were dead. And same thing. We would set up like little bases and forts in the yard um, or more importantly, even more fun was we went out into the woods. Our property where I grew up butted up against my grandparents' farm. So there was like 80-something acres that we could yeah. just play play in, you know, between fields and woods and oh, stuff. Oh, man, that sounds like such a good so, time. So oh, we, we, we would go out and do all sorts of stupid stuff, you know. Like mm-hmm. there, was, um, there was an old uh, tenement farming house that no one had probably lived in when I was growing up in at least 20, 30. No, probably 30 years when I was growing up maybe somewhere around there and it was partially falling in and it really wasn't safe but we would sneak in there sometimes and there was like an old fridge and stove and like an old bed and all sorts of just old crap left in there we actually found we actually found an old metal uh bear like bear trap type in there with the teeth it didn't have the teeth this was just a and it was a small like it wasn't bear size so it was a bear type trap, but it was like an animal trap. Right. Yeah. Like it was the kind you would trap like probably um, like a fox or rabbits and stuff with, but it still worked. And we took it, we were, we planted it in the creek thinking we might catch like a fish or something. Some have, for some reason we thought a fish would somehow activate. We were dumb. I, I can't explain. It. It's, it's kid things. Yeah. I get yeah. you. But yeah, we would do stuff like that. We would build, like we would climb up trees and build like forts in the top of the tree by na- nailing a bunch of boards where we could kind of have not quite a platform, but just more room to move around and stuff like that. Yeah. Like handholds and things. Yeah. Just like, like make, make little, little seats, little perches, you know, and we were shitty, you know, cause I'm talking, this is like between the ages of like eight and 12. So we would make like this little, Oh, shitty... so you're the best engineers. <laughs> yeah. Like we were just awful at it. Like just be random boards here and there. And none of nobody fell out and got hurt that I recall. Uh, just dumb stuff like that. You, you, I, I remember one time we we found this clearing. In it wasn't it wasn't kind of clearing. It was kind of a spot where there was a bunch of bushes that kind of grew up and formed like a canopy, but uh-huh. the space in between them it was like like three or four that kind of grew up and made like a canopy. But underneath them, because it blocked everything out, there really wasn't any undergrowth. And so we thought this would be a really cool place to for, to dig a fort. And so we used a rake and raked all the leaves out of the way. So it was just a bunch of bare ground. So it was almost kind of like a little tent with bare ground. Kind of like a foxhole almost. Yeah. Kind of. And then we took a bunch of um, small little limbs and interwove them in the, in the bushes. So we formed kind of like a wall. So essentially we had like, so we had like a wall with a tent cover and then we dug a hole down about three feet, you know, about the size of a manhole, three feet. And then we started to dig a tunnel sideways so we were going to literally dig like an underground room. I don't remember what happened. I do know we got a couple of feet deep and we ended up abandoning it because unfortunately that's kind of what happened when you're kids. Oh. You start to do all these grand things and ideas and then, you know, stuff happens. Well, we actually, we did something like that when we were teenagers because, I mean, we didn't have acres of woods because we were in the suburbs, but there was a patch of woods near our house we used to go into and like, that's where we would play airsoft a lot of the time or just like hang out. and. um the one summer, and this actually kind of relates back to the playground story because um, the the one summer, uh, my dad, uh, we ended up like tearing down a lot of that because, you know, of course we got older and things. Um, and he ended up pulling the poles out of the ground for that, which we ended up cutting up because what we did down there <clears throat> was we dug out the side of a hill a bit and we basically made a lean-to shelter down there that we put a pool tarp over. And then we put the uh, the cut up poles in the ground and use them as chairs, and we would just hang out down there as kind of our little clubhouse. And you know we're sixteen at this point, so we're like drinking and smoking down there and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh-huh. But what, what were we smoking? Cigarettes. <laughs> Nothing bad here. We're just a bunch of good Godfan children. Yeah, we had we had something similar that I, uh, my cousin yeah. and I did. 
Um, did, did yours get burned down like ours did? No, we never really we were never really able to finish it. It's like it, we always uh, started these grand projects, but there was never the time because there was just none none of my cousins other than my um, I had a cousin who was a girl who lived like literally a hundred yards up the road from me. But all my other like male cousins that I was close to that hung out with, they none of them lived close by. So it would just be like, you know, they came over for a Saturday or something and we would hang out and do these things and they would leave and everybody's like, well, I'm not going to do this by myself, you know? Yeah, I get you. Just kind of like a spur of the moment deal that everyone gets bored of. Yeah. I mean, we would do fun stuff out in the woods and things. Yeah, we, we had we had a good bit of that just like running around the neighborhood and just playing and stuff. I don't know if we built a ton of stuff i mean we did try to build a bike trail down there at one point to like dirt like mountain bike in but mm-hmm. didn't really go anywhere oh when when i was younger in the 80s everybody had a, had like a, a bmx that's when like the bmx bikes really first kind of came about it was like late late yeah. super late 70s early 80s and so all me and all my cousins we had little bmx bikes so we would get together, you know, and the parents would want to hang out. And they're like, well, we'll have all the kids bring their bikes. And we all had big yards. So we'll play and let them kids play in the yard with their bikes. So what are you going to do if you have BMX bikes? You're going to build ramps, right? Because you want to jump them. So you'd build like the most ramshackle death trap, you know, ramps. Yeah, that is pile assume, up some dirt. Yeah, or just like a little a, a board and like a Coke can and a rock. You know, and as soon as you yeah. hit like the front tire hits it, you know, it all slides sideways and collapses and you just go hand, you know, you go right over the handlebars. So many times that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that I do. We would do that a little bit. But I do remember I had an uncle who was he was a car guy, um, you know, had a, a had a I think it was a 56. Six stepside Chevy pickup that he still had as a daily driver, I think, up until the time he passed. Oh, wow. Um, Old school. He, he had a, a white 57 Bel Air Chevy. Um, he took two crashed 57s. And when my when his oldest son graduated, again, I'm, I'm doing this from memory. I couldn't I'm, I could be mistaken from about some of these details, but I'm fairly certain he took two crashed 57 Chevys and built them into one full one and gave that to him as a graduation present. Oh, wow. Um, painted it canary yellow. But he would build these little homemade go-karts, you know, with like lawnmower engines and shit. And they had their own track, like this like super, like just a little oval track down at the edge of their property. And I do remember very clearly all of us, all of us that had go-karts. We, we grew up in Georgia in the 80s, so we all had go-karts. And not the kind with roll bars and shit like you have now. Yeah, the open-air like, ones. Yes, this thing was just, it was literally like a sled with four wheels and an engine and a seat. And that was about <laughs> it, right? It yeah, it did, wasn't too it, far removed from like a wagon. Yeah, and some of them had seat belts. Some of them. Some of them. But I remember us all getting together, family get-together over there. And we're talking like somewhere between six and eight of us literally racing all of our go-karts in a circle around this track, having the best old time. Oh, that sounds great. So I don't know how none of us died. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff I look back on and just like, man, I'm surprised none of us lost fingers and things because we used to like make our own fireworks and things. Mm-hmm. Oh, we set so many fires. Oh, yeah. Burned so many things. I don't know how I didn't end up setting the woods on fire. Yeah. Used to, I mean, this was the era of Axe, so I used to like take a lighter and just like pretend it was a flamethrower playing with my army men, which that's an, <laughs> that's an easy way to like cause an explosion. I remember very clearly taking some of my GI Joes and strapping fireworks to them and blowing them up, or taking some of my other action figures and shooting them with a with my uh, BB gun or my pellet rifle. Like, my, I was six years old, and my parents gave me a pocket knife. And I probably wasn't much older when they gave me my first BB gun. And I know I wasn't any older than about 10 when I got an actual pellet rifle. Like, I could have seriously hurt some stuff with this. And I'm just running around. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, and the other thing. Uh, and this is just turning about into us reminiscing about how. Oh, no, that's fine. There's no reason. Like, like Darwin, somehow, we we were able to skew natural selection but i had the the old uh bow and arrow kit with the little uh metal tipped 
field point. So they didn't oh. have like the didn't have the the triangle. No, but it was I, still a little field yeah, point. Yeah, it was, it was basically like the soft like it almost looked like a bullet. Yeah, but end. I mean, you could still hurt you if it hits you oh, hard God, enough, you, right? You got a point. You could put that in a target, like yeah. So what of course? What do you do, of course, when you're a kid with an arrow? Shoot it, oh, at people. You shoot it straight up in the air. <laughs> arrow roulette. <laughs> yeah, you shoot it straight up in the air, and then you both just try to move out of the way when you see it comes down, yeah. and just hope you both see it. Yeah, that, that reminds me of lawn darts. Had the well, I didn't have any, but a friend of mine did. Oh man, my family used to bring those to picnics. Those those things are uh oh there's a reason you don't see those around anymore. Yes. You look at those been... and they're just like, yeah, this could kill somebody. Yep. Kids these days don't know how di- good they have it. It's just it's a wonder. You know, you th- I think about it now and I'm you know, my kids grew up in the beginning the late late 90s into the early t- into the 2000s. Yeah. And I was so protective of them. And I think back, you know, when I was growing up and the stuff that I would get up to and the things, you know, and, and how, how little direct supervision I would have a lot of the time and how much and how free, like I, it was, I grew up on a, a rural dirt, you know, tar and gravel country road. And it was nothing for me to just go get on my bike and ride all the way to the end, you know, cars coming by from time to whatever. No supervision. Nobody knows where I'm at exactly. Nobody knows when I'm going to be, when I'm going to come home. I could not even conceive of letting my kids, you know, when they were growing up, of riding their bikes around the, my neighborhood. Yeah. Right? Like, you're talking like maybe a quarter mile for the whole loop of that neighborhood we were, we were living in at the time. I couldn't, there was no way. Like, I didn't even like the idea of them playing in the front yard if I couldn't see them. Yeah, that's kind of how my parents were. I mean, well, to an extent, they, they didn't, at a certain point, they didn't care if we were running around the neighborhood, but when we were like, you know, 10 or so, they, they wanted us to stay, you know, in the yard. We didn't really ride bike down the streets or anything, which some of my friends were like that. They, they, their parents weren't as uh, strict, I suppose you could say about it, but yeah, it's, uh, kids back in like the early 2000s and things, they really didn't, uh. I guess it wasn't as open and free, which for better or worse. I mean, it's weird. There was this transition period when it feels like up until the eighties, kids were kind of free range, right? You had a lot more free. You were just like, I mean, I don't know. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood. I grew up in a rural little private road where my yeah. grandparents lived 200, you know, 150 yards down one way. My aunt and uncle lived 100 yards up the other way. My great aunt lived just next to them. Past my grandparents, there was a lot of pastures and roads, and then there were some people that lived on the other end of the road that we didn't know. But, you know, I didn't have a neighborhood. I didn't have a bunch of kids to play with. So my experience was a little bit different. But I've talked to, and I knew other people that was like, it grew up in the neighborhoods. And it's like, up until that point, all the neighborhood kids would get together and they would play somewhere. You know, there was that spot in the, like you said, there was that one spot, set of spot in the woods where everybody played. Or you, you could always tell that so-and-so had the Atari system or the so-and-so that had the Nintendo system because that's where after school all the bikes of the kids in the neighborhood would end up in the yard because that's where they all yeah. were. But it felt like there was this tr- transition period in the in the 90s and the 2000s where that really wasn't a thing, where everybody got really protective but then you get into the past the 2010s and everything got connected. Everything happened on the internet. And now my kids hang out with their friends all day long, except of course not at school because they're not allowed to be on their phones. But the rest, like yeah. one of my kids is in like, if they're not at school, they're basically in a discord server with their friends the whole time, all I the mean, time. I mean, look at us. That's how we're friends. And that's how we hang out with a lot of people most of the day. I mean, usually yeah. if I'm talking to people, it's over discord. So it's it's interesting and different how they don't hang out physically anymore as much, but they're all still connected. Like like my my youngest has a friend that's Welsh. Never met, wow. of course. Yeah. But they somehow ended up in this group and they, you know, they hang out and they voice chat and stuff. So it's it's different. Like it's you still worry about it as a parent. Um I mean granted Oh, there's especially with the internet, Jesus. I mean, my, I, I've got two that are adults. I've got, yeah, I don't think you need to worry about them as much. Yeah. I don't worry about them as much. They they can handle it. Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't worry quite as much about the younger two, 
but at the yeah. same time, that's one of those things. But it's just it's a different world, it's a different landscape now. Um, but anyway, get getting diverging from that just a little bit. This has turned into uh, back in my day. Cast. Yeah, I was going to. We're getting real old man corner. This <laughs> and Jay does want to have an old man cast where we talk about the most boring, mundane things, adulting oh, things, yeah. which we can do. But coming this Christmas now. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. In a world where everyone on the unplugged has gotten old, um, <clears throat> you mentioned your dad was a lineman. I have yeah. a question. You said yes. he would bring home like like surplus stuff. I had an uncle who was an electrician, also worked for the local EMC. Did mm -hmm. tell me you had a spool. We did. Of course you did. We did have a spool. You know what? You know what we did with it? It was actually part of the playground. My dad turned it like a like a rope crane that you could like take stuff up in a bucket to the to the upper part. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It didn't work too well after a certain point, but yeah, that we man, we had a lot a number of spools growing up. See, my uncle, um, for, for listeners, if you're not, if you don't know what I mean when I say a spool, imagine like a giant wooden wheel, right? Attached to a wooden, a thin wooden wheel attached to a wooden cylinder that was probably, you know, anywhere between a foot to several feet, you know, tall and wide. And then another wheel on the end. So it literally looked like a spool, like you would spool thread on, except it was made for like electrical cable and stuff. Well, my uncle, he, they had them everywhere. He had them in his workshop. He had them out. He had a giant one outside that they used as like a patio table. Nice. You know, we had, he, we had a few that we would use to build like as like parts of like a fort, like you would dig out and bury them. I think we actually ended up using that spool or a different one for the table in our clubhouse we made. Yeah. Until we found uh, an actual table, which was fucking sweet, but yeah, like the spool was like the staple of the poor bachelor apartment um, for years and years and years. Like you would have, yep. you know, the the spool was your coffee table slash dining room table. You had your cinder block and two by four entertainment system that you would build the little shelving out of to set your little stereo on because you had to have a stereo. You might not have a TV, but you had a stereo. Uh, going back in the day. Yeah. Well, you got to have a spool to put that on. Yeah. Oh, the mighty spool. You don't see that really. I don't think you see that spool anymore. Man. <laughs> spool I, man. I, I bet you I could still get a spool if I really wanted to. Um, Legally? I, I, well, I might know where to find some. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. It fell off a truck. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just there. Don't worry about it. It was just sitting there. Nobody was watching it. Look, if nobody sees you, it's not stealing. Yeah. You just, you just found it. It also just makes me think of, like, milk crates. Like, the just using those for shit. Oh, the old plastic milk crates? The, the, the old plastic ones. The ones that you could, like, beat someone to death with. They were so sturdy. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Everybody yeah. had them. Everyone had that... Military uh, grade, like... Yeah, everyone had that crate, at least one, if not multiple crate of milk crates in the basement with yeah. uh, vinyl records in it, because they were the perfect size for storing records. Yeah. Um, you, you, your old mm -hmm. apartments, you would have them stacked up as shelves and, and stuff like that. They kind of made shelving that was supposed to be like that, because um, I used to have something like that um, in our room, but it was not as good quality. It was... It was not as good as having a whole thing of milk crates. Yeah, because it was it was thinner. I remember they would sell them yep. all the time at like Walmart and Kmart and shit. But it was so thin that it couldn't it like it couldn't hold any weight. Like those old milk crates were pretty tough. I saw someone use one to hold up the axle of their car when they had to take the wheel off wow, to go get it. Patched. That is some good quality plastic, right? That that's the kind of shit that doesn't disintegrate in a thousand years. Oh man, do they even? I don't even know if they do milk crates anymore. I hope they kind. do because I would love to get some of those. Those are great. Just having something that's sturdy to put as shelving. Yeah, like those things were tough enough. Yeah, you could have used them to like build an igloo out of milk crates. Oh, you probably could have. Honestly, whole clubhouse made of milk crates. What a mother load. I'm just, I'm imagining like growing up like somewhere in like Detroit and building like, you know, a bulletproof house made out of milk crates. They'll never get me in here. <laughs> you can't get me, coppers. I've got my milk crate house. It's like the, uh, 
you know, you know that armor they'll put on the sides of like vehicles where, or it's not necessarily armor, but it's like a cage to like stop rocket propelled grenades. I'm just imagining something like that, but it's the milk crates. <laughs> it's old, it's old school milk crates. Yeah, it's yeah, just well, duct taped you know. to the side of a fucking Honda. <laughs> An old Honda Accord with just all those old milk crates attached yeah. to the side. It's like it's like ablative armor. You just yeah. as you run into stuff or it gets shot, it's just like they slowly chip away. Yeah. <laughs> Still, uh, still probably has a fart cannon on it because that's what they usually do with those cars. God, those are obnoxious. This really has turned into like, you know, back in my day when I was a kid cast. Yeah, we, we've basically had a proto old man corner or just old man corner. <laughs> well, we can, I can, I've got a hard pivot. Yeah. Um, I, w- I was thinking about this. There are a couple of sci-fi pet peeves. That really annoy me. Oh, man, we could have had a whole episode on this alone, but continue. But, okay. So, and I, and when I say sci-fi pet peeves, I mean, there's a few that are like, most of them are genre specific. There's some general ones, but there's, but there's a couple of genre specific. There's one in particular, though, which is in a small way kind of timely. Recently, as of when we're recording this, the last episode of about a week ago, the last episode of the Ashoka series. I don't know. That was the show you were about ended, to bring up, right? Because we, because for some strange reason, we seem to like share brain cell. Yeah, um, like we finish each like other's sentences belt. and shit. But um, that's a completely different God, show. Buy me a ring at this point, Jesus. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm still playing hard to get. Um, <laughs> but. There, there's a trope in Star Wars that I am so done and tired with. Just, 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 it, it is a pet peeve that I am sick to death of. And that is whatever the show or movie or story, whatever it is, they cannot stop saying, oh, look, here's yet another Jedi that somehow mysteriously survived the purge that we've never heard of and never seen in all the movies and shows since then, but they were out there all of this time. I'm done with it. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, I feel it's like at this point, it's like how sloppy was Vader and the clones? Like I realized there was a lot of Jedi, but like they were all supposed to be dead. And for like 30 years or so, there were no Jedi except like, Obi-Wan and Yoda. And now it's like fucking every time you turn around, you're bumping into another Jedi that, that was out there all this time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real silly. It's, um, I mean, cause it, for one thing, it just takes away from the mystique, the whole, the whole point that Disney and I guess George, uh, with the prequels really lost about something like having the force and Jedi was, it's more interesting and fascinating when it's not as well explained. It is so much better when things are more, I guess you could say, like when you withhold things, when, when you keep more things like details and things much more mysterious. Less is it, more. Less is more. Yeah, basically. Way, way yes. better, shorter than what I'm trying to say. But yeah, the whole idea of the force is it's supposed to be unknowable. It's supposed to be mysterious. And the people that can harness that ability are very few and far in between. But because it's star Wars, that's like, no star Wars equals lightsaber wizards. So we have to have that everywhere, even um, though it doesn't necessarily make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't to me, star Wars is at its best when it's not focusing on the space wizards. I agree. You know, I, that, I don't care. A good lot or bad. Of the universe. You don't need Jedi. You don't need Sith. You don't need lightsabers to tell a great Star Wars story. You just don't. Yeah, most of my favorite stuff involving Star Wars has nothing to do with Jedi. I mean, I love the Jedi. I I like Jedi in the setting. In the expanded universe, I felt like treated it well in that there were no Jedi at the end of, you know, at the end of Return of the Jedi. It was just Luke. And Luke trained Leia. And she became a Jedi, not like a full-time practicing, but she had skills. She was an intern Jedi, yeah. Yeah, like she was the Jedi you have at home. <laughs> but still powerful enough in the Force because it ran in her family, but she still focusing on her political career. That was still where she went. She just got some Force shit on the side, too. But it started, you know, he went out. 
he founded a new academy. He brought in students, and eventually, by the forty-year or so history of the that where it went, about forty years, I think, is where they kind of stopped before Disney purchased. At that point, there were. I, I actually know it goes further than that, but continue. But there were dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of Jedi. Like at this, at by that, by we get to this point now, we're in like even second generation new Jedi. I guess you yeah, could say, like Jedi five G. Yeah, yeah, but it but it made sense. Like it started small and expanded out, but it still wasn't like every time you threw a rock, you ran into Jedi. But I just, I just, I hate the trope of we're going to tell a new story or we're going to tell a new. We're going to have a new show or new what, and oop, look, here's another Jedi because we got to have a Jedi and we're, we're not going to use an existing one. Here's a new one. I'm just, I'm just done with it. It's just, yeah, I, I'm so over it. Yeah. There's a reason I haven't watched much, if any of the new Star Wars stuff other than I think the last thing I actually watched was Andor, which was brilliant and no because Jedi anywhere. No, there's no Jedi. There's the no most force. There's no mention of the emperor. That's about it. Yeah. It's just regular people. And it was amazing. Yeah, that's the Star Wars I want to see. But, you know, of course they're not going to do that. Okay, now we've got to do the episode. Now we've now we're just starting. Okay, we've been threatening for a year. We are going to do a second podcast that is just about Star Wars. We will get around to it. It's going to happen. We just have to figure out the yes. logistics. We've talked about it. We've made plans for it. We've even got a name for it. Just wait. For one, we want to have Maestro on it, and, well, yes. he's in Germany, so that kind of makes things a bit interesting when it comes to scheduling. Yes, logistics, we'll, we'll figure out. It'll probably be something that we, we've talked about doing it like a once-a-month thing, because we don't want it to interfere with doing this pod, uh, but we just, yeah. we've, we want to do it because it's something we have interest in, and we want to be able to just have an outlet, because Jay is not a super Star Wars person, and he would not what? want to talk Star Wars all the time. No. Although, I will, I will tell you this. Jay makes a hell of a Jawa. Oh, God. Yeah. It's because he can tinker and make all sorts of weird shit or just well, cursed well, shit. He comes up with cursed. He cursed. Yeah. He comes up with cursed mechanical droid ideas. Um, he and, built and a mechanical spider because he was bored. Yeah. He, well, he, he's, he built a spider suit for his Jawa to drive. Oh, I didn't realize that was a suit. Oh, that makes it so much worse. Yes. Zal rides inside of the spider so that you don't know he's a Jawa. Run Barter Town. Yeah. So, and, and since you don't know, listeners, what we're talking about, we have been playing a Star Wars RPG um, where Jay plays Zal, a Jawa, who is like God tier droid uh, repair abilities. Um, I am GMing the game. Crispy plays uh, a Mandalorian named Gary. Um, yeah. Ma Maestro plays a human gambler. Um, who is also a bit of a con man named Dan. Um, and we've got some some other people involved, but we've been doing this for a while, and the, the plan is eventually we will um, edit... I say we. I will edit the episodes, and probably in a year or so, we will uh, put them all out. Uh, we've been having a good time. It's been a little crazy, a little zany, uh, but we're... Oh, it's been a fun game. So we'll... Uh, I've shot many droids. You've shot droids. Um, let's see. We've Much shot to droids. the upsetness of the other members of the party. <laughs> yes. um, we've been to space, uh, space Credco. Totally not uh, based on a real business by the name of Costco. It is strictly a coincidence. Definitely not. I, I definitely all did not almost pull a grenade several times. Um, let's see. Uh, made vague threatening threatening to the son of a local marshal. Um, yep, yep. Let's see. Broke into a magistrate's house and stole a droidica. Yep. Went on an epic bar crawl. Yeah, and did not take off the helmet when I threw up. Yes, spoilers. Um, but yeah, it's been a good old time. So that's, that's just a little bit of a tease for what you can look at down the road. Uh, we do also have coming in a couple of months i believe if long as everything goes well um last year we played a traveler game that i think uh, yes. i think went for six sessions it, it six was a it was a pretty decent campaign it was yeah it was six or seven sessions i don't remember definitely i think we yeah. went about six um but maestro has been editing all of those and he actually dropped uh, a teaser 
And the latest episode that came out, which was the thrift cast, at the end of that. So if you haven't heard that and don't list, you can go. There's like a seven minute teaser of that game, but uh, the name of which is Waypoint Station. And that should be coming out in a couple of months. In I think we're shooting for doing the what we're calling the Oxmas drop. Um, so, you know, Tex, Texas, the BPL has the Christmas, uh, Christmas dump. We're doing the Oxmas drop where we're going to think we're going to put all those episodes out or at least. At least probably half of them. It just depends on how much he finishes getting yeah. editing. I, I don't know anything about the editing, so I don't know how far along you guys are with it, but I think that is the goal. Yeah, I know he's got, I think, four of them done. He was going to go back and redo two because of things he learned editing through the first four, and then he's still got the last couple ones to do. So, But that that's coming. Yeah, looking forward Whoa, to that, that one. Oh, that was an off-ramp. D- what? In this podcast? We don't get distracted what's ever. today and i don't know this is my third straight day off and i never have oh, more man. than one or two days off so i'm completely off i i could sympathize with that i've definitely had uh weekends like that my uh, work schedule's fun like that do you have any specific sci-fi trope or genre oh, trope that you or thing that's a pet peeve that annoys you Fuck. i i guess one that kind of can be annoying is just the concept of shields with everything. Oh, that's right. You don't like like shields. No, like, I am not like a fan. I am shields. not a fan of, of not even just ship shields, just like shields in general. Like it, I, I just always in those moments, I just always think it's just like bullshitium with half of it. It's just like, Oh, Yo, you can't attack me. I have shields like the fucking annoying kid on the playground. No, you will your ray gun bounce off my shields. Yeah. Because, and, to be fair, I get why that's a thing. A lot of it has to do with Star Trek and the fact that they didn't want to burn holes in their models. <clears throat> so they came up with that instead of having instead of having to damage the models, which I would imagine back then were not cheap to put together. Especially well, especially if you're a syndicated television show. I have never thought about that, but you're damn yeah. right. That's exactly yeah. why they would have done it. Because that's you couldn't realistically reason. show yeah. the model. Like every once in a while they would you would see one that get like they blew up the ship, but yeah. you would just see the explosion. You wouldn't see the model blowing up. They would just kind of superimpose the explosion, and then yeah. you would just see nothing because you're right. They can't yeah, because yeah, because even early Trek, the TOS, they would reuse the same model for diff- like that's why the early Romulans and Klingons had sim- had essentially the that's same right. ships because they were reusing them, and that's the thing that Trek's done for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, oh, like yeah. reusing sets. Where you'll use the set that was this ship, and then in the next show or the or later on that season, that same set will be redressed to be the set from another ship, yeah. so that they don't have to. They can keep using that set and get production yeah. value out of it. And you know, I understand that, but at a certain point, a lot of that stuff with shields just becomes just completely ridiculous. You know, just like basically just stopping all sorts of things. You know, and there's ways shields can be done good. I think dude does a good way of handling shields. Um, the slow bade penetrates the shield. Yeah, and also don't shoot it with a laser, otherwise it's gonna be a mushroom cloud. Um, like I, I, my my problem with shields isn't necessarily the concept. It's just well, one, does it make sense in the setting? And two, how does it work? You know, if it's just gonna be something like Star Trek shields, because Star Trek shields, a lot of the time it's just like. It's just numbers and drama with a lot of what you're hearing, seeing with the shields. It's nothing like. They don't really explain it too well, you know. Star Wars as well, to a certain point. Sometimes they kind of do, but... Well, I feel like Star Wars did a better job explaining the shields in that you have energy shields that stop energy weapons, but you also have a secondary shield that stops physical things. And so it's like, it's multiphasic that it's... Technically, it's the same shield generator... But it's working to stop two different things because there's one. I remember in the expanded universe, there's a, th- a time where Han Solo and Chewbacca are going to test the, sh- the repairs they've done to the shields on the Millennium Falcon, and they activate the shields while they're parked, and then retract the landing gear so that it's resting on the shield. Oh, and instead of the ground, so like it's sparking and stuff, and it's like as long as it could hold the Falcon up, then the repairs were going to hold. I remember that very clearly. That's interesting. I like how they kind of go to detail about that. Yeah. 
I, I just think that there's better ways or there's there's interesting ways to handle that sort of stuff necessarily without having to resort to shields, you know. And a lot like, for example, I like how the expanse handles things where its point defense weaponry is how you usually deal with incoming projectiles and you know, venting the hull of the ship. That way stuff will pierce the hull without causing explosive decompression or having, you know, reinforced areas oh. and things. Like it's a, like a, almost like a torpedo blister on a naval ship. Yeah. Where it, it hits that and you've got this area where it hits that, but then there's nothing, it essentially hits a cavity. Uh, there's nothing yeah, there, there beyond. There, there's, there's definitely a bit of that with the bigger ships, but like the smaller ones, oh man, I really wish you would be able to watch The Expanse. I've got a, I, okay, yeah. I have not watched The Expanse. Sue me. Yeah. Here's my here's my but nerd card. It does I will, beautiful. I will it get does to be- it. Well, no, I'm saying that just because it would it helps to understand because it's like it adds to the tension with a lot of mm-hmm. this. You know that that's a big part of it is you have this tension of you don't have this barrier of energy to protect you. It's you're more likely to get your hull perforated, you know, vital systems knocked out and things, and it makes space combat all the more interesting. So what I'm hearing is you actually love the way they do shielding and hull protection in Enterprise. Not really. No, they didn't have. Sh- did you watch? They had Enterprise? like hull polarization or something. Hull I polarization. never really watched it. Yeah, so they didn't have shields because they hadn't developed shields yet. That isn't something that they start to even. They didn't even really run into any species that had shields for the first couple of seasons of Enterprise. And so they had whole, uh, polarized hull plating, which essentially meant that there was a, an, a, a, a type of a magnetic or current that would run through the, whole, the exterior hull plating. So if you got hit with a phaser or laser or whatever the other weapon, essentially it would help kind of bend or distribute some of it away. So it wasn't a ty- necessarily a type of shielding. It was just a way to try to make it where it would dissipate some of the damage you were still going to take damage but it would dissipate it a little bit almost like a reactive armor i guess kind of yeah basically i mean it's kind of like um i mean it's not just fallout i've i know rifts does it too with some of their power armor but it's in fallout the um the one suit the t51 which is like it's the one that if you look at fallout one that's what's on the cover and it's kind of the iconic suit um i don't care what bethesda says the it had a it had a special coating on the outside of it where it was like this chromium coating and it was coated in that so it would help i don't think deflect but minimize the impact of energy weapons because that was a big thing in the fallout setting with a mm. lot of it you know um i i just i don't know i just want to see like more creative ways of handling things i mean for one thing i think the idea of I don't know what you necessarily... I guess they're active defense systems. I think that's a really cool idea to really explore with a lot of it, you know? Where you basically have a mounting where it it's almost acts like a, a barrier, like an energy shield, but it, it's more like launching projectiles to just intercept incoming rockets and things, you know? No, kind of like a ch- like, ch- like uh, chaff? Kind of, but more, more intelligent than that, I think. Okay, so it's like little, like mini projectiles that would seek out. Yeah, like it basically launches out like you would like grenades or chaff or something, but it basically intercepts. It's basically shooting a bullet with a bullet. At least that's my understanding of it. And I am okay. not an engineer. Uh, also, in the in the vein of uh, things, pet peeves. Since we're talking about energy, I don't like how common lasers are sometimes. Well, everything has lasers. Yeah, but it's just like. There's instances, I mean, well, Star Wars is one thing. Star Wars has lasers, but they also have ballistic weapons, too. I, I, just, I just feel like lasers constantly is just kind of boring. That's, that's just me. That's more of me thing. Maybe it's just watching G.I. Joe and then getting older and realizing, like, oh, these, they, they should have actual guns, not lasers. I think a lot of your sci-fi goes to lasers because it's a way of having a weapon. But they treat lasers like ballistic weapons. Whereas this little bolt, that's pew, 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 that pew, is the pew, right? And yeah. instead of where a laser would be like an instantaneous beam, and so they they treat it that way as a substitute for that because it's a way of sh- futuristically showing something that we recognize without, but but it looks futuristic. Yeah, uh, that honestly, that's that's a lot of my problem with a lot of the Gundam uh, series that are out there, like the 
Because a lot of the different series of Gundam from the original Universal Century timeline to all the other ones they've done, a lot of them really just, they get to that point where they, it's just like everything is a beam weapon. Everything is just like beam machine guns, beam beam axes, beam weapons and things. And it's just like, it's, it's just a fancy laser light show at that point. It's just boring. It, it doesn't really convey the power of these weapons. And that was... That was the thing about the original Gundam uh, series was the reason the mobile suit Gundam was so powerful was it was the first mobile suit to effectively use beam weaponry as a as a mobile suit portable weapon because before that it was only something you'd see on ships. And it has a beam weapon and it feels powerful. It shoots a beam that just punches That's through. That's the Buster Cannon? Or no, something like it, it, it's an actual like beam weapon. Um like a like a beam rifle um, okay yeah it, it it's very cassette futurism looking if you look at the original but yeah and and some of the later seasons series do um have examples where it feels powerful like that i think the more the one that really handles it the best is iron blooded orphans the i should watch that I, i've only really i've watched a smattering of the early gundam stuff yeah. And I've watched a lot of Gundam Wing, and I've watched and I've seen. Yeah, Gundam Wing was what I grew up with. Um, which Gundam Wing both has beam weapons and it doesn't. It's kind of weird. But the thing about Iron Blooded Orphans is beam weapons are not common. You do not see any mobile suit, any mobile suit in the series or any ship for that matter. None of them have beam weaponry. It's it's mainly ballistic weapons, rail guns. Or just big fuck off clubs and swords, because you know melee is fun with mechs. But the, what does have beam weapons in the setting is the mobile armors, which in the setting for that series specifically, because mobile armors are a thing in different Gundam series. But in this, they're giant autonomous weapons platforms, are just these giant mechanical war machines that are capable of just wiping out entire armies like they they literally wiped out a huge chunk of humanity in a previous war which is why you don't see them anymore because they were destroyed and outlawed but at one point they find one of these mobile weapons in the series and it's you see how dangerous this thing is and it has a beam weapon that just lays waste to everything and you really get a sense for just how powerful a weapon like that is which is the thing it's like i i don't mind energy weapons and shields but you have to understand like the scope and power behind these things because it's far beyond anything that we have now. And a lot of some series handle it better in showing the power of it. Others don't. It's it's just and, and that's kind of what just gets me to annoying. It's like if you're gonna have like a beam machine, just have a machine gun at that point. Like that's more fun. Or, or what about my, one of my favorite little tropes that they you see a lot, and you really see this a lot in Star Wars, and and and, and I love Star Wars, so I can make fun of it. Yeah. But where you'll have like the cannon on a ship and they're firing laser beams, right? But it's reciprocating, like it has a recoil every yes. time it fires. And yes. I was like, recoil. what's it recoiling from? It's light, right? There's there's no gas, there's there's no canister, there's no shell. It's not it's not having to like eject a a, a spent casing. I say to say this to you, Alien, but have you seen episode three? <laughs> Did you not see the, the cannons that the droids have that were just launching spent shells the whole time? Okay. <laughs> Which, granted, was fucking cool. I love that. It was that cool, scene, even though it's... But it's, it, it makes no sense. Right. It, it, now, the only way that makes sense is, like, the Tabana gas that they're supposed to use to, to excite the high particles to fire the actual bolts. If maybe that's a canister of Tabana gas for that particular shot, I don't know. But they just called a plasma weapon at that point because I feel like you can get away yeah. with a plasma weapon having recoil. But like when you watch um, the uh, like the cannon, the the dorsal and belly cannons on the Falcon, they reciprocate back and forth, right? Or the yeah. even the the front facing cannons of the uh, on the Ghost from Rebels, they also you know have a recoil mechanism like. That makes no damn sense. Why hey, would man, it do that? Hey, they they spent a lot of money getting that World War II stock footage, and they're going to use it. God damn it! Well, and see, and I think that's what it comes down to. Is yeah, it, it's a lot of like homage and things to World War II. Yeah, yeah. Which, so it looks yeah. like it. Yeah, which is fine. I can live with that. 
Yeah, no. So at a certain point, it's just like, yeah, really cool. I don't care. I I don't mind if like the giant blaster cannon has a recoil on it because it just kind of makes sense with them with it. Who who cares about this? When you get into the specifics, who gives a fuck? It's like. Speaking of ballistic weapons and Gundam. Yeah. Gundam heavy arms. Oh, we're going back here again. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Gundam Heavy Arms. I, I do too. It's it was my favorite Gundam for back then. Yeah, I think this. I think we talked about that during our. our did we talk about that during the mecha oh, cast? We, we definitely. Well, yeah, because I brought up the tall geese, and that's my favorite. Oh yes, suit. the tall geese. Yeah. Yeah. But all right, now, yeah. we're, now we're repeating ourselves, so maybe we should call it here. <laughs> yeah, I I'm like just. Rolling over in my head, just trying to think of stuff. I'm just like, oh, Ash Browns. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate if, if you, you know, for the dozen or so listeners that are still with us at this point, we appreciate yeah, you sticking if, in. If you made it this far, we'll send you a gift certificate to Golden Corral. Ugh, Golden Corral. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> let the game, you want to play a game. <laughs> Uh, Ours closed down, so I'm safe. You guys, we don't have any around here. Yeah, we don't even. Oh, thank God. Yeah, they're all gone. Yeah, but like the uh... sands of Egypt. (laughs) 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 Oh God. Hopefully, we'll be back next week with uh, with you know more of the gang, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. uh, So this uh, this has been the Ox Unplugged. Good night. Take care, everybody. Well, there's an hour I'm never getting back.